Hello, I'm John Mercy and you're listening to the Banking Analyst Podcast. Log on to thebankinganalyst.com where I share my latest research on US banking stocks. You can also learn the fundamentals of the banking industry, including valuation, in the basics section of the website. Thanks for tuning in and without further ado, let me welcome you to this episode. In this episode, I'll talk about US Bank Corp's results for the first quarter of 2020. The bank reported $1.1 billion in profits, falling almost a quarter sequentially and by a third compared to a year earlier as credit costs jumped. As per provisions, the bank recorded $1 billion, implying a credit cost of just under 130 basis points, much lower than its larger peers. I believe that the under-provisioning was done partly to keep CE2 and regulatory ratios within the target range. I see the company halting the share repurchase program and slowing the dividend growth rate in the short term if the economic woes continue into 2021. Let me go into the numbers in a bit more detail. Revenues were up 2% quarter-on-quarter and 4% year-on-year. But if we exclude the visa-related losses in the fourth quarter of 2019, revenues were 1% lower sequentially. On an year-on-year basis, Top line was higher due to the increase in mortgage banking revenue, but this could head lower later this year as the management expects mortgage production to decline. The bank was anyway set to witness revenue slowdown due to lower net interest income even if COVID-19 had not struck given the slow loan growth momentum and pressure on margins. The pandemic just put oil into fire. While margins contracted a mere one basis point quarter on quarter, A much bigger squeeze is coming, starting in the second quarter. Period-end loan balances jumped $22 billion, or 8% quarter-on-quarter, while the bank raked in $33 billion in deposits during the same period. Business customers have been drawing on their lines of credit, fearing liquidity issues, which explains the brisk loan book growth. On the other hand, these customers have parked a chunk of the drawn funds into their deposit accounts. However, This does not fully explain the increase in deposits. $22 billion increase in loan balances versus $33 billion of deposit inflows. Non-interest-bearing deposits contributed almost half of these inflows, jumping 21% quarter-on-quarter and improving its proportion to total deposits by 230 basis points to 23.2%. This can reduce the overall funding cost and therefore increase net interest margins. That's some consolation in an otherwise terrible rate environment. USB also has a large non-interest income stream contributing over 40% of yearly revenues, though this is slightly lower than PNC. Within this, just under 40% comes from the payment services division, which includes cards and others, while the consumer unit brings in close to 25%. In times of lower interest rates, large non-interest income streams are usually bright spots helping to offset net interest income declines. However, this time it's different. Consumers are staying indoors and businesses have shut. The payment business will be particularly hit given the lower consumer and business spending. Rising operating costs continues to be a key pain point for USB. Costs grew 7% year-on-year, resulting in cost-to-income ratio worsening more than 200 basis points. But the bank incurred an extra $100 million due to COVID-19 as it provided for potential delivery claims related to the airline industry and other merchants, 
increased payments to frontline workers, and also incurred additional expenses to enable a safe working environment amid the pandemic. But even excluding the COVID-19 related expenses, the cost base was up more than 4%. The bank really needs to tighten the ship, especially given the strong headwinds to revenue. Let's see how asset quality metrics have turned out. PA Wells Fargo saw credit costs of 160 basis points, while Bank of America's was 190 basis points. USB provided for a much lower 130 basis points. I'm especially surprised by the 310 basis points credit cost in the payments division. In 2018 and 19, recorded 330 to 350 basis points. Are they saying that things are going to be better for the credit card portfolio during COVID-19? Seriously? Analysts on the call probed the management quite a bit on provisioning and the assumptions behind them, and the answers they got were very vague. But to its credit, USB's portfolio coverage, the proportion of accumulated loan loss allowances as a percentage of gross loans, stands at 2%, which is higher than Wells Fargo's 1.1% and Bank of America's 1.5%. The bank's CET1 ratio was 8.6% at the end of the quarter if the CECL adjustment is fully phased in. That's towards the lower end of the management target of 8.5% to 9%. Reading the under-provisioning along with the lower CET1 ratio, I guess that the management might have decided to go for lower provisions, partly due to the fear that it might fall below the CET1 target. Assuming that USB goes for provisioning somewhat midway between Wells Fargo and Bank of America for the entire year, the bank could end up with 8% CET1 towards the end of 2020. That's much below the management target range, though above the 7% regulatory minimum requirement. By under-provisioning versus peers, the management is hoping that things will get better soon. But it might be actually kicking the can down the road. On March 15th, all the banks, including USB, halted share repurchases until the end of the second quarter. The bank had already bought back stocks worth about $1.7 billion during the quarter until then. If the economic troubles continue well into 2021, I see the bank halting the share repurchase program entirely in the short term. However, dividends remain safe, but I expect a much slower growth rate. Here are my thoughts on valuation. US Bancorp is among the best return generating businesses in the US banking space, with a consistent track record of 17 to 18% return on tangible equity. But things have changed. Assuming a bad 2020 and 2021, I do not see the bank earning above cost of equity in the next three years and therefore expect the prices to reflect that sentiment. At the current valuation of 1.5 times my estimated one-year forward tangible net book value, I hesitate to recommend the stock. What could change my view? A better-than-expected economic impact from COVID-19, that is, things recover fast towards the last quarter of this year. Disclaimers. This podcast is aimed at informing listeners about my views on the stocks mentioned. Please use this as only one of the many sources you consider while making the investment decision. Kindly consult your financial advisor before taking buy, sell, hold decisions. I will not be liable for the investment actions taken based on this podcast. I own no positions in the stocks mentioned. I created this podcast myself and it expresses my own opinions. I am not receiving compensation for it. I have no business relationship with any company whose talk is mentioned in this podcast.